Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, live from Studio 6B on a Wednesday night on Real America's Voice, Dish Network, Channel 219, Pluto TV, Channel 240. Felt like we just left from last night's show. Here we are. Maybe that's because me and Paul spend Wednesdays on radio. Um, so it's just we're never not in front of a mic or in front of a camera. <laughs> it's uh, Wednesdays are a long, long day. Um, glad you're in. Paul Nolan's going to have the news. Rick Delgado's here. Rick Amorati's going to have Sports Geo. Fran are here. Mr. Nolan, how are you? I'm good, buddy. It uh, feels like I haven't seen you in almost 20 minutes. <laughs> exactly. You, you guys want a few more minutes together? If the, you know, the kind <laughs> yeah. of... Rick Delgado's here with his lame jokes. Uh, how are you? How was your day? <laughs> ah, I spent Poor another Rick. day in another, uh, another, another hole. Another rabbit hole, huh? Oh, my goodness. I mean, you two just need help. Rick Amorati's here with sports. <laughs> <laughs> Rick, how are you? Hey, big day. How are you tonight? Well, so, so pretty good. Pretty good. If I don't kill anybody during the show, it'll be better. But how? what's coming up in sports? Well, we got some great news for the Ohio State Buckeye fans. And we got the Wrangler National Rodeo tonight. And the little uh, NCAA college basketball scores we'll be keeping an eye on. Okay, very good. Uh, Mike Lindell's going to join us tonight. Lots to talk to him about. The, of course, inventor and CEO of MyPillow. He's been on before. He's great. Uh, Mr. Lindell will be joining us, I believe, at 830 and um, there's a lot of news, lots of things to talk about, but we're at, um, I guess, 19 states now that have joined the Texas lawsuit. And I think uh, I have all 19 here. Texas, obviously, who filed. Montana, North Dakota, South Dakota, Utah, Nebraska, Missouri, Kansas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Indiana, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Tennessee, Florida, South Carolina, and West Virginia. So those are the states at this point that have joined in this um, in this lawsuit. And I've got lots of stuff to get to tonight. And let's start here because Ken Paxton, who's the AG of, of uh, Texas, was on with Just the News, I believe on with um, John Solomon on his podcast. And he talked about this lawsuit and his feelings on it, why they filed it. And uh, cut 36G, here's uh, Mr. Paxson. Roll that. So I think it's really important that the rights of Texas citizens, that their vote counts. And so if other states um, are not following state law and allowing ballots to be mailed in and then not verified, it affects the outcome of the election, potentially, and could, could easily have done that. We'll never know for sure. 
signatures on the mail-in ballots if they didn't follow their process. So my concern is if that is happening in other states and they're not following state law as it relates to electing electors for the for the federal race, then it affects the rights of Texans and their vote doesn't mean anything anymore. So I'm worried about the credibility of elections, not just right now, but I'm worried about the credibility of elections going forward. I'm saying people potentially are disenfranchised because already, because if we have millions of fraudulent ballots, which is completely possible because the procedures were not followed to verify that the signatures were the people actually, you know, allowed to vote. So it's very likely we've got disenfranchised, millions of disenfranchised voters across the country, especially those, you know, were disenfranchised by who are legitimately voting. Um, we already, I think, have that. So, you know, I'd say the argument goes the other way. My, my, I'm not making a fraud argument. I'm making an argument based on the Constitution and what we know happened, which was that we know state law was changed by people other than the state legislature, which is the only constitutionally authorized changes that are allowed. So we know that law was violated. My argument is that the law was violated, the Constitution was violated. I'm not, I'm not addressing whether there was, you know, two million fraudulent ballots cast in Pennsylvania. I don't know. And there's no way to know the way the system got set up, the way the, the, the rules got changed, supposedly because of COVID, we can't even know. We, we can't know if any of these ballots are legitimate. We just, they, they, they did it in a way so that you can almost never go back and check it. So that's the Attorney General, Ken Paxton, on with Justin News today talking about these, it's not a fraud argument. And um, to further that, Scott Hounsel in Red State writes today, the Texas suit against Pennsylvania is a fight for the Constitution. And he says, since the founding of our country, we've been governed not by people or politicians, but by a document and our God-given rights. Those rights are not conditional. They aren't to be postponed or ignored in the case of a bunch of people getting sick or under some guise of elected officials, quote-unquote, protecting us. For virtually every case, there is a process, procedure, and protections that govern how something should be done and how, quote, we the people are shielded from abuse of the enumerated powers contained in the United States Constitution. Before the 2020 election, there was a lot of talk of how to conduct an election during a pandemic and how to best allow for those who wish to vote the opportunity to engage in their sacred voting rights. Multiple states took the appropriate course of action to pass laws to encourage people to vote by mail. That course of action required legislative action with the various state legislatures passing legislation that was signed into law by the governors of these states. Anyone who has a beef with any state that expanded mail voting rights by the proper course should not because the appropriate constitutional process was followed. Where most people call foul is when the executives within the states dismiss that process and order those mail expansions. The law states that rules for elections must be determined by the legislatures of the states. The idea that any one person or group of persons, which isn't a legislature, determining rules for an election is in itself unconstitutional and denies the rights of voters from other states that do comply with the constitutional process. If Texas and any of the other states joining the case 
through amicus briefings, were all able to comply with the process to allow for the mail vote to be conducted safely and transparently, why were Pennsylvania and many of these other states not able to? It isn't that those states universally expanded those rights, but some of those states and counties within those states moved to a universal mail ballot, which sent ballots to those who did not request them and then allowed for anyone absent identification to return those ballots. In Pennsylvania, the constitutional process was completely ignored, not once, but twice, with executives changing election rules and the courts legislating from the bench. Furthermore, Pennsylvania also ignored an order from SCOTUS to separate mail ballots, which came after a certain deadline and then essentially destroyed the evidence relating to the return of those ballots to prevent those ballots from being separated later. What Pennsylvania and other states did was deny their own citizens the constitutional protections and the separation of powers that prevent this sort of abuse from occurring. While those executives within these states would argue that their abuse of power was, quote, in the best interest of those who wanted to vote by mail, the argument should have been made to the legislatures within these states and not to the court of public opinion. Additionally, had constitutional measures been taken to allow for people to request ballots who wanted them, not many would have complained about it. Texas' complaint is simple. There's a process to our government and to our elections. Those processes should have been followed and accounted for throughout the 2020 election. And if they were not, any ballots cast under those unconstitutional actions should be invalidated. If most other states were able to conduct elections based upon our constitutional government, then there shouldn't be an exception for any supposed reason which those states could argue. Our nation's health through the constitutional process is more important than the physical health of any person or group of persons. If the constitution should be followed in times of crisis and other states were able to abide by it, then it should be the case for Pennsylvania and other states, which clearly did not. So that's a pretty succinct way of putting the Texas um, lawsuit. And you're still hearing a lot of talking heads. I saw um, George Conway on at CNN saying that this is the most ridiculous one he's seen yet. Uh, This whole suit is a joke. It's the most ridiculous one yet. Uh, Andy McCarthy at National Review has a piece out today. Texas's frivolous lawsuit seeks to overturn election in four other states. He says there is no way the Supreme Court is going to entertain Texas's lawsuit. So he says they won't even hear it. There's no way they'll even entertain it, he says. The first thing to notice about Texas's desperation lawsuit, which seeks to overturn the result of the 2020 president, I I don't think that's what it does. It doesn't seek to overturn it. No. I think I just described what it seeks to do. Yeah. Is what does not appear on the front page. The name of the state's solicitor general, Kyle Hawkins, he says, the lawsuit is brought against four other states that have certified Joe Biden as the winner of their electoral votes. Thus, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxson invokes the original jurisdiction of the United States Supreme Court to hear the disputes between states. Yet the brief is not signed by the lawyer who typically represents Texas before the nation's highest court. 
as Solicitor General Hawkins did, for example, in the recent Obamacare case. Plainly, this is because the complaint Paxson has filed is a political document and has no prospect of being taken seriously as a set of legal claims, he says. There's a lot to be said for Texas's complaints as a political uh, polemic. It's true that Democrats labor mightily to undermine election integrity. The only rational reason for this is to make it easier for legally unqualified people to cast ballots and to cast in bulk. And under the influence of progressive activists, the ballots of people who would not otherwise have voted uh, and whose qualifications may be dubious. It is also true that mail-in voting on a massive scale favored the Democrats created tremendous potential for fraud. This potential is an inevitable realized in at least some fraud when coupled with other policies Democrats aggressively pushed. All these matters should be addressed by Congress. Not a single one of them, however, gives the state of Texas standing to sue other states over the manner in which those states enforce or refrain from enforcing their laws. Again, I don't, I don't think this is about how they enforce the law. I think it's about how they change the law. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> he says, this does not mean that um, the flouting of election laws by officials in Pennsylvania and other states is not a serious issue. It means that if Texas wants to raise the issue, the Supreme Court is not the right forum. To repeat a point I've made here before, the court did not grant review of a case from Pennsylvania that it should have taken involving a narrow critical issue of constitutional law pertaining to elections when that issue was raised by parties in the Commonwealth who were directly affected. The justices are not going to have the slightest interest in entertaining a sprawling lawsuit brought by an unaffected third-party state, one that, if Texas got its way, would forevermore thrust the Supreme Court into, thick, into the thick of electoral politics. Well, I think, I think they might already be there, but again, I'm not an attorney. So uh, he says, I doubt the court will say anything other than to leave to file Texas's complaint is denied. In unlikely event of elaboration, the justices may convey that if Texas has a problem um, with the way other states administer elections, it should address that through the political process, including through Texas's large and influential delegation of elected officials in Congress. Such a complaint is not the business of lawsuits. Unless you're ready for tomorrow's lawsuits by, say, California and New York against Texas for trying to disenfranchise its citizens. So there's both sides of this. All right, we'll do more of this. Mike Lindell coming up at the bottom of the hour, live from Studio 6B on a Wednesday. Studio 6P, 17 past the hour on a Wednesday night. Uh, A lot of news today besides election, lawsuits, and things going on. Some news on uh, Paul Nolan's here with the news. Uh, What's the news on Hunter Biden today? Yeah, geez. uh, They They found him. They dropped the case already. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, Joe Biden's uh, son, Hunter Biden, said in a statement on Wednesday that the U.S. Attorney's Office in Delaware is investigating his tax affairs. And he uh, had a statement that said, I learned yesterday for the first time that the U.S. Attorney's Office in Delaware advised my legal counsel also yesterday that they are investigating my tax affairs. 
I take this matter very seriously, but I am confident that a professional and objective review of these matters will demonstrate that I handle my affairs legally and appropriately, including with the benefit of professional tax advisors. You know, Hunter Biden's uh, financial affairs have been under scrutiny for roughly six years, including those related to overseas business dealings, particularly with his position at uh, and the board uh, at Burisma, uh, you know, the largest natural gas holding company in Ukraine. We all know this. Biden made as much as 83000 a month in that position, which he had no qualifications other than being uh, in the lucky sperm club. And uh, that's it. You know, so here we are again with more corruption in the Biden family. And and I don't know if any I'll, wake me up if something happens is all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry. And now it's clear that um, obviously the media had to know about this. Right. I mean, I, clearly the media hid this until after the election. They hide everything. Yep. To get their agenda through. It's a joke. I mean, clearly not to, not to hurt Joe Biden. They clearly hid this uh, because there was rumblings about this that started back in 2019, some investigations. I mean, they, they hid the fourth oldest newspaper in America when this thing broke. They hide everything. And I believe Joe Biden was um, made aware of this yesterday, and I read something where it went from covert yeah, okay. to overt. Is that... That's yeah. the wording that they use. Yeah, that's exactly right. They used it. They went from covert to overt, and that's somewhat of a big deal to during an election campaign. So, um, you know, the uh, Biden Harris transition team also released a statement on Wednesday on the tax matter, saying President-elect Biden is deeply proud of his son who fought through a difficult challenges, including vicious personal attacks of recent months, only to emerge stronger. The statement read. Yeah. Okay. A little more on this <laughs> from. <it>? Um, <laughs> yeah. What a proud papa. Uh, Tristan Justice over at The Federalist. He says, um, though Hunter Biden's midweek admission will be reported as um, new news, existence of the investigation was first reported days before the November election in October by Sinclair's James Rosen. Legacy outlets outright ignored the story while they weren't colluding with Silicon Valley tech giants to delegitimize Rosen's reporting. Molly Hemingway tweeted out today, media are going to join Hunter Biden in pretending that it's news he's under federal investigation. In fact, our corrupt media actively and blatantly suppressed James Rosen's October 29th report of the same as part of their meddling in the 2020 election. The FBI reportedly interviewed Biden's business partner, Tony Bobolinsky, who claimed the Biden family had been compromised by the CCP. And James Rosen, there's a tweet here from October 29th in which he tweeted exclusive. Tony, I think I shared this the day he did it. Ta yeah. Tony Bobolinsky tells We Are Sinclair he was questioned by six FBI agents with counsel present for five hours on October 23rd, listing him as a quote-unquote material witness in an ongoing investigation focused on Hunter Biden and his associates. His cell phones were examined. Uh, back to the article, it says, bombshells first began to burst over the Biden's family web of potential criminal international business activity in mid-October when the New York Post began publishing stories based on material found in a Delaware laptop, apparently abandoned at a local repair shop. DOJ seized the laptop as part of a federal money laundering investigation. Signs that Hunter Biden's deep conflicts of interest might more substantively include his presidential candidate father uh, far deeper now than previously reported. 
Those began to emerge a month earlier when Republican senators released the findings of a three-year probe. Senator, Senate investigators led by Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley with Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson flagged key transactions with Chinese officials for criminal activity while also blowing off the cover of affairs the public still knows relatively little about, including Hunter Biden taking $3.5 million from the former mayor of Moscow's wife. Colorado Republican Congressman Ken Buck has called for a special counsel to investigate the Biden family. So this is uh, the breaking news today on um, Hunter Biden. And unfortunately, kind of like Paul says, wake me up when um, something happens. You know, because Seth Rich's computer made a big difference, as did Wiener's computer, as did the Humid Aberdeen you know, insurance policy file on that computer, as did Epstein being arrested, as did Ghislaine Maxwell being arrested, as did the Hunter Biden laptop. I mean, what's going on here? Well, what is going on here? There was news about Seth Rich's laptop that all of a sudden, after saying now what, for four years that they didn't have it or that there was some... I mean, What's the story on Seth Rich today? You two nutjobs must have looked into it. Well, no, this this was something that I saw about a month ago. <laughs> right up first your alley. First things first, it's Mr. Nutjob to you, boy. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Good point. Mr. Nutjobs. No, th- this was something I, I brought up about a month ago that they, they had said, oh, the, you know, it was, just a, it was just a mugging, right? So why was the FBI involved and why did they hold on to his laptop? Now it's coming up again today uh, that his, his laptop is now of interest. And you got to ask yourself, what, like Paul just said, what is going on here? That's another story. I mean, come on. MS-13 whacked Seth Rich because he released information and he made it to Wiki. Come on. Are we, are we kidding? I mean, can we, can, we stop being, can we stop being naive here? Anybody who gets in their way gets whacked. How many people have been connected to a Clinton death? And by the way, when I say Clinton, I mean George Clinton, a great <laughs> music producer and artist, because I would never say anything bad about Hillary or Bill. The P-Funk. <laughs> Very good. Am I off the hook? So you're saying Probably that not, no. you, you sound like you're saying this is a matter of fact. Yeah, I'm going to go there. Yeah, I'll go there. Yeah, why not? Why not? Anything that's in their way gets whacked. I mean, mobsters kill people. This is the new mafia, but they've got way more protection. And it's just, it's, uh, how many coincidences before it's, it's worth something when we start talking about it. But what is the actual story today with the laptop is my Well, question. I'm looking for it here on Just the News, but it's not here. So I'll Google it. Well, Google won't have it. So I got to go to DuckDuckGo through what, my VPN. I guess what's the significance <laughs> of it other than the fact that they said for all this time that there wasn't a laptop or there wasn't, they didn't have it. And now we find out they well, do I'm, have it. Uh, Rick D, I need you right now because I didn't see yeah, the story. I'm, I worked every minute of today. I'm looking at the story right now. After four years of stonewalling, corrupt FBI admits they were holding on to Seth Rich's laptop. Stunning development on the legal front directly impacts the so-called conspiracy theory that the death of Seth Rich was something more than a routine street crime. The FBI now admits it has Seth Rich's laptop. This this investigation just posted on lawflog.com. So according to an email on lawflog, uh, the FBI completed an initial, uh, initial search identifying approximately 50 cross-reference serials with attachments totaling 20,000 pages in which Seth Rich is mentioned. Uh, well, F- FBI is also currently working on the files from Seth Rich's personal laptop in a format to be reviewed. As you can imagine, there are thousands of files of many types. Yeah, interesting stuff. 
But no, it was just a it was just a mugging gone wrong. Let's get the FBI. Yeah, involved. Well, they didn't take any money in the mugging, though. Let's get FBI involved. Interesting stuff. Well, so, I mean, it just it just feeds everybody's um, narrative of what the hell is going on at all of the three letter acronym um, departments um, in this country. They're corrupted. They're deep state. I mean, we know that. But I know it's so I mean, horrifying, just, though. I mean, we need an independent council to come in. We need, you know, really so, an independent council. Do, you don't think they're connected either? I mean, I, you know, you hear about it, and I don't want to say it, but I guess I'll throw it. And these aren't my words. You hear people say it's time to burn it all down and start over when they talk about at least the CIA. Um, but, you know, that's that's The CIA's got to go 50 years ago. That's where people are at. It's crazy. Studio 6B, 30 minutes past the hour on a Wednesday night. Real America's Voice, Dish Network, Channel 219, Pluto TV, Channel 240. Of course, all social media. Boy, did you see YouTube today? YouTube just decides they're going to send out something saying, yeah, yeah. Anybody who now talks about the election and it being um, fraudulent or anything else, we're just going to take the content down because it's past, it's past the safe harbor day. So I guess in their eyes. Even though it's that has nothing to do with the Constitution, they don't care. They just said uh, that's it. That content is now going to be uh, gone. So just be aware. If you post stuff on it, we're gonna we're gonna take it down. So the year of the banning, not Steve Bannon, the banning. <laughs> like we're gonna ban you. Uh, I thought would be 2021. It's getting an early start on social media, and uh, there's some news on Facebook that they're facing a little um, possible problem. But I say possible because. Who knows? We'll get to that in a second. But right now, please welcome back to Live from Studio 6B, the inventor and CEO of MyPillow. He's also the author of What Are the Odds? Mike Lindell. Mr. Lindell, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, it's great to have you back on the show. Lots to talk about. Obviously, a lot going on. Um, But let me first ask you about December 12th in Washington, D.C., Let the Church Roar. Uh, tell me about this event you're doing and uh, who's going to be there and how it came about. Well, I've, I've actually, um, I did an event a couple weeks ago, you know, when about a million people showed up in Washington, D.C. And and so I got behind. I wanted to get the awareness out. I mean, you just said it, that how they're, how social media and even the mainstream media is suppressing all this election fraud and trying to hide it. And uh, so we want, the, this is how it came about. These uh, There's actually three separate events going on, but the Jericho March, um, these guys got a hold of me and I sponsored it. I spo- actually put money into all three of these. And it's going to be where it started at 930 in the morning. A million people are going to go around seven times around the Capitol. And then we're going to meet at the National Mall. And that will be uh, around 11 o'clock. And myself, I'm going to be leading uh, leading in prayer and a speech. And then uh, uh, General Flynn is going to be there. There's just all kinds of speakers that um, that we're going to have. And 
this thing all started because, you know, I, I'm fed up after the election. I, you know, I talked to Sidney Powell a week ago. I've talked to Lynn Wood. I'm right in the heart of it. This stuff is real. It's millions of votes. This is the biggest theft of a of humanity of just uh, of of election in history. It's and it's it's all going to come down. Uh, I wanted originally. I wanted to just do it to keep behind our president and let nobody give up and nobody because it's. Uh, you know, people, my friends and stuff, I go, oh, Mike, right away, you know, I'm um, just accepting. I go, I'm not accepting the uh, a felony, the felonies that were committed everywhere in our country. You know, this is a fight for our country. And you just said it before, right before I got on here, just today, can, I cannot believe what Google did with, uh, you know, with YouTube. Um, I, I'll tell you, I have been in a fight with Google, Suckabuck from Facebook. I call Mark Suckabuck, <laughs> Suckabuck. Um, <laughs> I got Jack Norton on Twitter. I mean, these guys, their they're day's coming. I'll tell you what, we, everybody's watching on both sides. This isn't even, this is everybody watching how you're, you're doing this to suppress, uh, you know, what they believe to not, you shouldn't be putting out there. Actually, Twitter, that's why I think they know that the president's going to win, that Donald Trump's going to be our president for another four years, because you notice right after the election, they, they went dark on it. They put, they did it to me too, completely blacked it out. Well, then all of a sudden they started putting it back up in this little disclaimer. This may not be, or this is not true. We're going to tell you the real truth if you click here. Well, now people read those and they go, wow, this is exactly true because Twitter says it isn't, you know. And um, it's just a shame what they're doing. And it's a shame what mainstream media, it's a shame what they did on election night, you know, with uh, start, you know, with Fox, with all of them, you know, you start, call, you call Arizona with 14% of the votes and you don't call Florida when the president had five, he's up 5%. I mean, and what happened, just so you all know, on election night, here's what happened at 1115 at night. The algorithms that they set in these Dominion machines, by the way, I know this firsthand because I put money in to get help get the machines. I've been all behind this election fraud to help the lawyers, the attorneys, every God way I can. And these machines, so they were taking, they were doing the old 1.3.76. It's a difference of 26% of, of the vote. And they, these algorithms were in there. This is what Sydney told me. At that night, at 11.15, Donald Trump, the machines realized it broke the algorithms because you were going to have so many, there were so many votes they didn't expect for our great president that, that just poured in. So then they had to, what did they have to do? There wasn't, like in Wisconsin, there wasn't enough votes left to count if you only took, if you even if you took this percentage out. So what they had to do, all these states shut down at the exact same time Okay, that's real. And they backfilled these votes. <laughs> that's why they, that's why they you see these spikes go up that are unexplainable. You guys, I look at numbers every single day. And I, I see a Dubuque, Iowa newspaper do uh, 10,000 in sales and they're normally supposed to do $200. Um, that that raises that's a, called a deviation. I maybe find 10 a day out there and I go, well, something had to affect that. You had to have a different input to have a different output that doesn't make sense right so not only do we have all these deviations but there's 100 percent evidence of where these deviations came from so when i asked sydney a week ago i said sydney on a you know one on a scale of one to 100 100 believing that donald trump will be our president for four more years where would you put it on one to 100 she said 100 as did lynn wood a week before that as i'm telling you right now 
and you see everything that's happened the last two days. My friends were laughing at me. People were going, Mike Lindell, when I, you guys, when I was on Fox, when they finally let me go on the other day live, they've been banning, blocking me for like for three or four months. And when I went live there, here were the headlines around the country. Mike Lindell spews lunacy to the country, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, who's talking now? Now we all know it's real. You know, Texas steps it up and all these states that follow through. And what's going to happen is the Supreme Court, they have to rule that these states, not the, not the fraud, they had to rule that these states did it constitutionally wrong. They went over, they went beyond what they could do to change the rules. So they are going to be pulled down, which means nobody has 270. And on December 14th, it's going to be a state vote. They get one per vote, and there's 26 Republican, 22 Democrat, and two split states. That's the pathway. It's very simple, and that's why this this uh, tour ends on December 12th. There will be two point. Here's my prediction: 2.3 million people in Washington D.C. supporting our great president and trying to make awareness to the world that this election fraud is real and it is the it goes so deep and so wide this has been people will end up going to prison of i mean this is i you guys i feel blessed that they that we had the president that this happened because we would have never we would if we never knew and they would have just keep stealing elections. We'd never have a fair election again in history. Yeah, well, you know, you sound you sound extremely confident. Obviously, like you said, you've been talking to Sidney Powell, Lynn Wood, and mm -hmm. um, you, you've brought up a lot of the things I wanted to ask you. But speaking of both of them and people like yourself and Lynn Wood and Sidney Powell who are getting abused in the media, um, the president, <laughs> of course, is getting abused for even – uh, carrying this out, which he has every right to do to challenge it, yeah. just like Gore Bush in 2000. And we, we obviously, I mean, there's so many anomalies, so many things that are head scratchers in front of us to deny right. that there was fraud is just at this point a joke. But when you look at these suits and you sound very confident, um, right. a lot of people still say that, that the Supreme Court taking this Texas uh, suit, I just read in the first, first segment of the show, a piece from Andy McCarthy, uh, saying that there's absolutely no way in hell that this Supreme Court's going to take this case, but you you seem confident that they will. Absolutely, you got to realize the case isn't to say if there's fraud or not. I believe the case is to say, like Pennsylvania, they did something that the legislators were supposed to do, and instead the um, governor, whoever else did it, these guys, or this uh, the state secretary of state in in Pennsylvania, they made decisions that you can't change. It's like it's like. You know, that's what the state legislators do. So all the Supreme Court needs to do is they're going to say, did these guys do this wrong? And they just pull them down. And they're, they're not going to overturn the election. That goes to the vote on, on December 14th, wherever these electors turn in their votes, you know, and you get one per state at that time. And because nobody's going to have 270. You can't get, I'll give you an example. Uh, here's Doug Ducey, the, the governor of Arizona. I mean, what is wrong with that guy? I know it either had to be a personal agenda or there's something, you know, that you're hiding, like the governor of Georgia, okay, Kemp. Because it, why would Doug Ducey, on the day that 10 hours of evidence is shown to the American people of what happened in Arizona, who this very thin 4,000 vote margin, they could find more of that. They could, they probably spilled more illegal votes on the ground by accident than than they than is joint. He won by Arizona by a landslide, and Doug Ducey turns in and say, "Oh, it's a good election." I mean, it doesn't make sense. These once again, what I've learned in politics, 
is they either they're doing so many things for political reason or their own agenda. This election fraud is about everybody. It's about everyone, our country. Why would not I got called by CBS here in my local uh, my local state here in Minnesota? They called me uh, about three days ago when I was all over the meet all over the news that I'm you know here's Mike Lindell spewing lunacy. They called me up and they got me on their show. And uh, in the morning, I'm still half asleep. And they go, Mike, you're dividing our country. Why can't you just accept everybody else is accepting it? I go, why would you not want to know the truth if there's nothing to hide? Let's show what the evidence is and let's all look at it and say, you know, wow, it's just like kind of <laughs> like when Anderson Cooper attacked me back in, you know, about this summer when we had the cure to the virus yeah. out there with myoleander.com, when that's out there and I was attacked going, why wouldn't you want to know at least if it worked? Instead of bad mouthing me and the president, Ben Carson, all these people, you know, I get I get bad mouthed every day and attacked, and I really like it. I want every bad media out there to know this. You know what it says? You know what it says on my on my Twitter? It says boycott Mike Lindell and my pillow. Then the other the other trolls and bots. Okay, don't boycott him. He'll double his ads. We see enough of that jerk. I'm not backing down. I'm not going anywhere. I want to ask you something now before we only got two minutes left. So I got about a minute and a half left. I want to ask you about, I know recently you heard Franklin Graham give a great sermon about, you know, uh, during COVID and you see what's going on, these lockdowns, these small businesses, you've obviously built an empire business. You understand this world. Uh, Tell me about that and tell me about, obviously it must be heartbreaking for you to see small business around this country, what they're going through. It is the worst. And I see it in my home state here. This is where, you know, our governor's up with the governor of Michigan and California is up for the worst governor in history award. I mean, what he did and what he's doing now, just on this Thanksgiving, we couldn't have, what, six, eight people in our house for Thanksgiving. But the Mall of America and the and the box stores, they're running around like, I guess COVID's not there. You have, But the restaurants in our, in our state and around the country, these small business stores that have restaurants, you work on a very tight margin. And to say that, oh, you're going to get the COVID only comes there after 10 o'clock at night. I mean, who's making all these these things up? I'll tell you what. You have governors like the governor, my good friend, Governor Christy Gnomes in South Dakota. I'll use her for an example. She made decisions when COVID started. She studied the Constitution and said, I can't break the Constitution. I don't care where we're at, but I'm going to learn from my medical team and I'm going to make advice to my state. And she did it. She a lot of people. It was a lot of self-responsibility there. But she told them how the you know how masks work, which ones will work both ways, so you don't yeah. have to worry about someone else is wearing it. And guess what? Yeah. Here's what it manifested to South Dakota has the number one economy in the United States. Her tourism is up 150 percent during a pandemic. Well, Mike, I love having you on this show. Um, thank you so much. Good luck on the 12th in Washington. I know it's going to be a great event. Thanks for coming on live from Studio 6B again. Thanks for having me on. God bless you guys. All right, the great Mike Lindell, my pillow, December 12th in D.C. Live from Studio 6B, we're back. Real America's Voice right after this. claim the palmist with the palmist who wrote these following words true international average of pressure I live from Studio 6B. <laughs> How is that still funny a week later? I guess it's always going to be funny. 47 past the hour. 
doing a Madison impression. Good God. I'm not sure if that's my favorite or that I'm gonna I'm putting him up for health and education. Hmm. Oh my god, is that English? It's amazing. <laughs> Javier Bacaria is going up for health and <laughs> health and education. Hmm. Hey Bacaria. Hey, um, 47 past the hour. Well, Mike Lindell was great. Man, he is a passionate guy. Gee, I was worried I didn't have enough questions. I only needed one. <laughs> <laughs> I only needed one. So, but yeah, uh, God and, bless. It st- and it went. How are you, Mike? <laughs> God. But he's on the inside, though. Yeah. Man, he's talking to Sidney Powell and Linwood directly. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, he's involved. Yeah. He's donating big money. Oh yeah, that's he's the guy we're getting info from. That oh, that yeah. that's yeah. worth it. Uh, all right, let's do some sports here, and then we'll do news after that. Rick Amorati's here. What's going on, pal? All right, Big D. Well, Mike Lindell's always a tough act to follow, but here's a my pillow topper rodeo report. <laughs> Wrangler National Finals rodeo at Globe Life Field today, round six. Um, bareback riding. Cole, Cole Reiner on Little Red Hawk uh, scored an 87. First place, 26,231. Saddle Bronc, rider right on Billy, nine and a, 90 and a half. And bull riding, Dustin Boquette riding on Lonesome U, 89 and a half. And the steer wrestling, Stetson Jorgensen in 3.3 seconds. It's a really good score. Uh, team roping, round six, Cody Snow and Junior Noguera, 3.9 seconds. Tie down roping, Haven Megan, 6.8 seconds. And Paul, I know you're waiting for this one. Barrel racing, Emily Miller, Beasel. 17.01 seconds. Another pretty good time. So that's a rodeo report. Round seven underway tonight. We'll have a report on that a little bit later. A couple of NCAA college basketball scores right now. Finals. Uh, number 13, Wisconsin over Rhode Island, 73-62. to 62. Brad Davison with 23 points for Wisconsin, leading all scorers. Richmond over Northern Iowa, 78-68. to 68. Uh, uh, T- Tyler Berg- Burleson, uh, the forward, 21 points and 13 rebounds. Indiana and Florida State, good game, 38-38 all tied up. Trace Jackson Davis with 11 points for Indiana. Texas over Texas State, 23-12, late first quarter. And uh, Baylor, 22-13 over SFA. And that's seven minutes to go in the first quarter as well. Um, M&T Bank Stadium last night, one F- NFL final. I know our crowd doesn't exactly love the NFL, but I want to get that. Baltimore Ravens with a big win over the Dallas Cowboys, 34-17. to 294 yards rushing by the Baltimore Ravens. Looks like they're getting back in form. Now 7-5. and five. Uh, Dallas Cowboys fall to 3-9. and nine. Um, Great game back for Lamar Jackson, recovering from his uh, COVID uh, uh, quarantine, 13-94, 3 rushing and uh, three touchdown passes, uh, 12 of 17 for 107 yards. And uh, Big Ten uh, changes the rules to allow number four Ohio State to play in the championship game. Earlier today, Ohio State will play Northern Northwestern in the Big Ten Championship game on December 19th, Paul. They made an amendment. A big team like Ohio State, they don't want to have number four out and not not be involved in that game. They announced it again earlier today. So uh, the Buckeyes are uh, 5-0. And and, uh, even with Michigan's game canceled uh, on Saturday, they're still going to get an opportunity to play. And uh, good for them. I think they deserve it. They're the best team in the Big Ten anyway, Paul, right? Yeah, no doubt about it. I just wish they would have played Michigan this week, you know, for my own personal selfish reasons. But (laughs) yeah. Good personal selfish reasons, you know. My, you know, kid, you know when you see a kid from the time he's six, seven years old, and you grow up with his old man, his old man's your good friend, and the kid makes it all the way to Michigan, and then he rises up as a true freshman, has a chance to start 
And then they cancel the game because some kid, you know, was asymptomatic. Yeah. Ah, it's crazy. Really gets on my nerves. Yeah. So, I don't know. Did you guys see this uh, before D gets back? I just wanted to go over this. Did you see that New York legislation can make COVID-19 vaccination mandatory? Yep. This is the yeah. story. This is crazy. Uh, New York lawmaker is proposing legislation to make COVID-19 uh, mac- uh, vaccine mandatory. Um and because uh, Assembly Member uh, Linda Rosenthal, who represents the parts of Manhattan on the west side, has introduced a bill that will require the state to safely and effectively distrib- distribute FDA-approved vaccine in accordance with the Department of Health's COVID-19 Vaccination Administration Program. The bill states if the public health officials determine that residents of the state are not developing sufficient immunity from COVID-19, the department shall mandate vaccines for all individuals. The the I mean, this is, by the way, off the chart crazy. And the same people who told us, you know, my body, my choice, are now the first ones running around with this DNA-altering filth. And they want to ram it into my arm? Beat it. I'll put it in, why don't we put it in your kids for like, we'll do it every three weeks until they grow an antler out of their head. And then we'll decide if I want it in nine years from now. Or or better yet, since we're all good with, you know, uh, you know, uh, let's just mail it out. Mail-out ballots are good, right? You, t- you take yeah. it on faith, send it to us, we'll inject ourselves, fill out the form that, yeah, we took it, and send it back to you. How about that? Yeah, I like That'll that, be Rick. fine, right? Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> Sign me up, Rick. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Works for me. Yeah, mail it over. <laughs> you know, speak, speaking of vaccines, over in Britain, you know, they started, uh, they started uh, administering the vaccine. Well, they've also uh, had to set up resuscitation facilities at the Corona vaccine centers because people are, uh, they're not reacting well. They're having allergic reactions to this vaccine. They're warning anybody who has uh, normal, uh, has like a lot of allergic reactions, stay away from it now because those people went into like anaphylactic shock um, and uh, there's been severe reactions to it. And how about this? Russia has stated that if you take the vaccine or when you take the Pfizer version of the vaccine, you can't have alcohol for two months after it because it can have adverse reactions. Could you think about this? <laughs> Could you imagine Russians taking this vaccine and then not, they're going to have a revolt on their hands over there if there's no, no vodka? <laughs> oh, man. People are just going to be jumping out of windows instead of getting them pushed. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. right, right. I don't still- want this vaccine. <laughs> oh, we'll take it. Yeah, so, I don't know. Um... Yeah, so, and back to uh, back to the UK, the resuscitation facilities should be available at all times. They're saying uh, for all vaccinations, vaccinations should only be carried out in facilities. Think think about how dangerous this vaccine must be. That they're saying vaccination should only be carried out in facilities where resuscitation measures are available. That's that that's how safe this is. So, in other words. You probably have a better chance of catching it, getting over it, and living a, a pretty healthy life. <laughs> or you can go to the doctor or whoever is administering the vaccine. But you got to make sure you're hanging around because they might need to, you know, rub the paddles around and do clear to make sure you don't die from getting a shot. Yeah, well, this, uh, this, the ironies here are at, are at so many levels. So if we have it correctly, it was made in Wuhan uh, by the CCP and the companies that are backing it of invested in it are partners in the Wuhan lab who have been connected to Gates and Fauci and now are the ones who are telling us that this 99% 
yeah, okay, this all works great. And, and who else is connected there? That's right, the Biden family. Okay, who else? Dominion voting. Who else? I mean, it's crazy. How could people not see what's going on? And here's good news. I'll give you this last tidbit, Rick. Um, Attorney Alan Dershowitz on an interview, because we know he's not connected to Epstein's Island or anything <laughs> else. He's certainly not. He's certainly a saint. Uh, he's with David Brody, says that states can mandate vaccinations, um, you know, to help inoculate individuals from spreading the sickness to others. He says there's a constitution legal legality to force people to take an injected medicine, which is yeah. just simply crazy. I, I, if a vaccine, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say I've heard him say that before. It's it's insanity. His quote was, "If a vaccine not only prevents you from getting the illness, pre- prevents you from spreading it to innocent other people, the state can compel it. If, on the other hand, the vaccine only prevents you from getting it, and the public has no health implications, the consequ- the constitutional questions become much, 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 much more compelling." Like a lot of I, I get to do that, D. All right. <laughs> Sorry. Hour two coming up. <laughs> Live from Studio 6B on a Wednesday night. Let's see, Paul. Let me see it. His was terrible. <laughs> All right. Hold on. Let me do this. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. I'm at the epidemic. It, it looked like you just got the vaccine. <laughs> Live from Studio 6B, Hour 2, Real America's Voice on a Wednesday night. Dish Network, Channel 219, Pluto TV, Channel 240. Paul Nolan's here with the news. Rick Delgado's here. Rick Amorati's going to have some more sports. So, uh, Jordan Sekulow was on with David Brody today. And, of course, Jordan Sekulow's dad is Jay Sekulow, the great Jay Sekulow, who's part of um, the president's legal teams, was a big, big um, part of um, impeachment, obviously. And is obviously very close to the president and uh, is a fantastic lawyer, musician. They have a great show, ACLJ, uh, which you should support if you can. And, and Jordan was on with the great David Brody on the water cooler today, 4 o'clock right here on Real America's Voice. So I have, a, some, I have his take on this Texas lawsuit. So a couple clips here. First of all, he, first clip here, he, he talks about... Mike's representative Mike Kelly's case and this idea like we were talking and Paul said before the case is not necessarily uh completely done what they they did not get the injunctive relief that they went for but that doesn't mean that it was done they have to go for a full cert of certiori now so he was asked first about that uh cut 30g here's what he said you know, it's interesting. The take on that one is that was for injunctive relief. The Supreme Court just denied, so we're not going to give you uh, preliminary injunctive relief. That case would actually still continue, so it's still alive. But what is more important is kind of how it ties into the Texas case, because at the same day the court said no preliminary injunction in Pennsylvania, uh, a case involving you know Texas suing the states of uh, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Wisconsin, Michigan. Uh, Pennsylvania has to respond by tomorrow at 3 p.m. 
Eastern time to the Supreme Court to the very same challenges that Mike Kelly, Congressman Kelly, and others were bringing. So while Pennsylvania might have thought they were getting some kind of reprieve, the state there, uh, they are not. They're going to have to respond to whether or not um, there should be uh, uh, these uh, the motions uh, for the, the com- bill of complaint that was filed, David, on the, on the issues of equal protection, due process, and of course, the electors clause. So they're going to now have to respond to exactly what Mike Kelly was talking about, which is we, we violated the law in the state of Pennsylvania because we didn't follow the constitutional provision that say it's legislatures that set up how elections are conducted for president of the United States, and then not courts, not uh, executive branch officials either. Yeah, and not rogue Supreme Courts who vote five to two, and then vote to overturn really the only judge that stood up here for the Constitution, which is the appellate judge in Pennsylvania, who ruled that she wanted to have a hearing and said that the plaintiffs are likely to succeed on the merits, meaning this Act 77 that we stuffed in this omnibus bill uh, didn't go through the legislative process on consecutive legislative uh, meetings. It didn't, it didn't go uh, to the public, and the public didn't vote on it. So... Uh, totally against the Constitution of Pennsylvania and totally against Article 2, um, Section 1, Clause 2 of the federal Constitution. So then he was asked about the Texas lawsuit and basically his idea on what it is and what we should be looking for. Here's what he said. It got past round one. Round one was, will they ask for the responsive briefing? They have. They've asked for responsive briefing from the states. So the states have to respond. That that was a, a big hurdle to get through and something, again, most cases the Supreme Court don't get to. Now, the second part about this is that it, it is outcome determinative. What do I mean there? 62 electoral college votes are at state at stake when you put these four states together. That is enough to change the outcome of the election, uh, depending on how the Supreme Court obviously uh, ends up uh, deciding this case. I don't think there's any tea leaves yet in uh, just because they've asked a responsive briefing that there's definitely five votes uh, to declare that four states uh, have to uh, kind of uh, wash out the actual uh, elections that they conducted because they were illegal and then go to their state legislatures. But certainly the court is waiting now to see how will these states respond to Texas's allegations that they violated the constitutional uh, provisions here that said it's got to be state legislatures that change election law. Not And then the, each state they've gone through, David, and said, this is what this state did. This is what this state did. This is what they did wrong. And how, again, and people try to wonder, well, how can Texas sue these other states? Well, it's one thing in the Constitution we have, it's original jurisdiction in Article 3 of the court. But two, it's Texas is doing this really protects all of our votes because they're saying that this is impacts a Texas voter in an election that was conducted legally in Texas that no one has challenged as being uh, fraudulent or wrong or not following the law. It's that our votes then are disenfranchising our voters if you allow an illegal election in a state to go forward. The interesting thing here is going to be, because we always hear about, especially when as we've gone through three, three Supreme Court nominations, we keep hearing and everybody gets kind of uh, acquainted with the um, nomenclature about having textualists on the court. Well, we're going to find out, and I'm, I'm not, no attorney, and I'm not a constitutional expert, but it seems to me that we're going <laughs> oh. to find out if we have contextualists on the court, because either it says what it says, or it doesn't. Right. And you need, it, 
Jordan said you need five. I heard that you need four, but I guess it's we'll go with what he says. That you need five judges. Well, you have Amy Coney Barrett. You would think would have would you think would be a yes. You would think that Clarence Thomas would be a yes. You would think Gorsuch, Kavanaugh would lean yes, and you would think Alito would be yes. So there's five. So well, what about Roberts? Yeah, well. He's solely responsible for, for this problem, by the way. He certainly is. He could have addressed this early on in Pennsylvania and <sighs> kicked the bucket right. down the road twice. Or just kick the bucket and go away. Well, then, uh, well then he kicked the bucket pick. down the road. Um, so that. we're going to find out if we have contextualists or not. At least it seems to me through the most basic, simple eye that I look at these things through because I don't know any better. I don't know as much as Jordan Sekula has forgotten, but it seems to me that if you're a textualist and, and this is what the law says in Pennsylvania, it's what the Constitution says, well, then that's what it says. Isn't that the whole idea? Yeah, or else this whole process is superfluous. You know, I like to come over there and <laughs> wring your little neck. How about that? <laughs> so I practiced all night. So, uh, news, junk, news junkie broke it down for me in parts, which helped. Because that's how I learn, just in small little bits. So, but no, I mean, come on. We, I mean, am I right or wrong? No, you're right. Either we have this or we don't. Yeah, they, they, basically, they're throwing again. And Lindell said this, and we've been hearing this more and more that they're not looking at the election numbers. That's put to the side. What they're looking at is how they ran the election itself. That's what that's what they want them to rule on. And if they did it illegally, well, then that raises a whole different, uh, changes everything. So then uh, last piece here from Jordan Sekula today on the water cooler with David um, Brody. He was asked basically, what's the remedy here? Obviously, and um, as Mike Lindell correctly pointed out, the court, if they do hear this, is not going to rule on whether there's fraud, who's responsible. They're going to go back to the states and say, uh, you, this all happened under an un- unconstitutional blanket, basically. Now you have to go back and let the state legislatures uh, select the electors. Uh, here's Jordan on that. Well, you know, it's interesting. In these four states, I know people understand Georgia is not just a Republican legislature, but it's got a Republican state leadership. So I think it's important to point out that it's not just like going after all Democrats. But in each of these four states that Texas has challenged, the legislatures are controlled by Republicans. And most of them did push back initially and say, you know, uh, we're not in a position uh, to, to seat different electors, even though we have the legal ability to do so. Here's the difference it would be. If the Supreme Court comes out and said the election in your state, state legislature, was illegal, so here's the remedy is you have to pick electors. And by the way, if you can't figure out how to do that, then Congress will do it for you. Uh, and that's that that would then move to uh, the, the House would then choose the president of the United States by state delegation, which actually Republicans are are, are uh, have the have the lead by. They have 27 state delegations versus Democrats have about 22. And then there's two that are tied. So uh, this, again, would put pressure back on those states because it wouldn't just be the idea that they could do it. It would be the Supreme Court saying I, we are we are invalidating your state election. Now it's up to you. Are you going to really go back and seat the same electors that the Supreme Court has said has violated the U.S. Constitution, the, the way you conducted your election? I mean, that would be something, again, 
so that's what it's important that you point out, David, though, because it's not like the Supreme Court is going to ch choose the electors. So even if they side with everything Texas says, uh, it still puts a lot of pressure possibly on the state legislatures or uh, Congress, ultimately, to make this, these calls. The Supreme Court is not going to decide who the president is based off this case, but it certainly would open the door to uh, to the electoral vote shifting. Yeah. So, I mean, between now and January 6th, and I don't know, maybe it goes past that as we've talked about these these dates that are not necessarily set in stone, it is going to, well, of course, first step is they got to say, they got to hear it. Most, most people who think that this is a joke, obviously out of hand rule that there's no chance they're going to hear this and this thing's going to be over by Friday. I can't imagine it's going to go later than Friday and everybody just moves on and that's it. It's the end of the road for at least that and most likely everything else. Now, um, Mike Kelly, Sean Parnell in that suit, I guess they'll go for a full rip, but I can't imagine that outcome would be any different. Um, I think Sidney Powell and Lynn, Lynn Wood, I'm not exactly sure the status of, of where they are, but it's hard to believe that any of that will get any traction at any of the higher courts at this point. So it does seem, it does seem to me, and I know all of you tell me I'm being negative, it seems to me that this is, really is, this is, the all, this is, this is the end of the road. I, I think this, the, the Texas suit, because number one, it gets to the Supreme Court right away. Um, it really addresses what I've said all along. We've had these two buckets, kind of the criminal Sidney Powell bucket and the constitutional bucket. I've always thought the constitutional bucket was probably a better bucket because um, to me it's clear, again, especially in Pennsylvania and other places. In Michigan, you have equal protection uh, rights. You've got Georgia ballot curing in, in blue parts of the state, not in red. I mean, there's the constitutional issues to me are much clearer than the other stuff and not not say the other stuff's not there because we've gone through all the numbers and the anomalies that make you sh scratch your head but it's just hard to think if they don't hear this case number one what does that say about the 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 republic at this point the supreme court what does it say about them and what does it say about uh, what precedent does it set that have at it Democratic governors, election boards, yeah, just state write. legislatures, do whatever the hell you want. Write your own laws, your own yeah. rules. Yeah. Make your own to, elections. Don't even have anything. elections at this point. Every like, like Levin says, that just appoint. Oh, only Democrats can be appointed to be electors. Might as well just do that too. When are the, I mean, when are they going to step in? So, to me, that that's where we're left if they don't if they don't hear this case. Yeah, that, that's why again this this election is so important to make sure it they get it right because if not we're going to be stuck like you said eh, it's just going to be Democrats our lives are going to be ruled we're going to be living in the uh, United States of California one United States of California big happy birthday to Brenda Bauer one of our best fans over on YouTube want to say thank you for always supporting us and happy birthday happy birthday. Hey. 
right, live from Studio 6P, 17 past the hour on a Wednesday night. Real America's Voice, Dish Network, Channel 219, Pluto TV, Channel 240. Glad you're in. Paul's here with some more news. Rick Delgado's here. Rick Emirati's going to have more sports. Let's do Crazy Town, G. Let's fire it up here. Uh, bang, bang with the fang, bang. Roll it. <laughs> I think we've all gotten a PhD in Russian studies that none of us uh, signed up for. Uh, but stated plainly, the president's son met with a Russian spy. We now have the best evidence of that in our minority report. The Democrats put out that Ms. Veselnitskaya was going all over the world and bumping into Dana Rohrabacher, which is a sign of a, a spy, someone who tries to create you know, a, a coincidence uh, encounter. Uh, and now we know that she was working at the behest uh, of the Russian government. <laughs> President's like son, Nicole, met with a Russian spy, but also at that meeting was Paul Manafort. So Paul Manafort knows he's in a meeting where uh, he knows the premise is Dirt is being offered on the campaign's opponent, and he has this side relationship with a former GRU officer, a Russian military officer, and now we know is sharing uh, internal campaign polling <laughs> data. Age so well. you see from all <laughs> individuals here, from the president's son to his son-in-law to his campaign chairman, an eagerness and a willingness to work with the Russians. What that materialized to, I think at this point only special counsel knows, but thankfully Democrats on the Intelligence Committee, uh, in very short order, are going to be in a position to understand. Bang, yeah. bang, boogie, diggy, diggy, diggy. bang, bang with the fang, bang. That yeah. didn't age too well there. Oh, man. Fartwell didn't, uh, <laughs> didn't I guess, think that. Well, he's blaming the president now, of course. Yeah, it's his fault. <laughs> that, it's his fault that he was bumping uglies <laughs> with, uh, yeah. with fang, fang. With fang, fang, with the bang, bang. Yeah. I love his yeah. fart boy. Everyone's Ooh, calling him it? fart boy. Yeah. So. Er- er- Erica. That's what uh, that's what they call don't not a not not aging well with that clip, complaining about <laughs> the Ru- Russian disinformation that the president's son met with a Russian spy. Meanwhile, he's uh, you know. <laughs> Did you guys see that thing? I think I I think I tweeted it out to you, the uh, the Austin Powers thing with uh, Swalwell. No. All right. Okay. I, I so in, in Red State, there's an article um, by our friend Shipwreck Crew. All Chinese nationals in the U.S. are intelligence assets of the Chinese government. Sleeping with politicians is just a tactic. He says the disclosures regarding U.S. politicians, including a member of the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, Eric Swalwell, as chronicled here by my colleague uh, Banchi, having been compromised by a Chinese honey trap, only reinforce the fact that the Chinese Communist Party and the People's Liberation Army are um, a force in the world and not good. And Western cultural and moral norms are irrelevant to the tactics they are willing to employ to advance the interests of the CCP and the military. Red Sparrow, quote unquote, has historically been a reference to Russian Soviet intelligence agencies. Use of female intelligence operatives to lure Western officials and diplomats into compromising sexual relationships in order to have leverage over them for blackmail purposes. Western intelligence services in the past had identified a quote-unquote school where such operatives underwent training before being deployed into foreign countries under a variety of cover identities. The Chinese operate in a different manner. 
The honey trap, quote-unquote, device is used to place Chinese intelligence assets into positions where they might be able to gather important information over a long period of time. Generally, it is not used for leverage or to extort the targeted individual. It is used to develop a trusting relationship that can be exploited on a continuing and ongoing basis for as long as it can be maintained. Having an intern, quote-unquote, in a congressman's office means access to computer systems and all physical spaces inside the office, both in Washington, D.C. and back in the congressman's district. This is the payoff from the trusting relationship when it develops. And by the way, as we heard yesterday in this report, when this came out, that's exactly what happened with Fartwell. Yeah. They were able to get an intern uh, with him. And I think the intern was like 33 years old and, you know, his computer specialist. No, I don't know. Every Chinese national citizen residing in the United States on some kind of visa is a Chinese government intelligence asset. Every single one. Back in May, former National Security Advisor H.R. McMaster penned a very uh, provocative article in the Atlantic entitled How China Sees the World and How We Should See China. It's a fascinating article I highly recommend to all of you to read. And the totality of McMaster's views reflected in the article are beyond my ability to document here. But relative to this particular issue, the status of Chinese citizens residing in the United States, he wrote the following. In 2014, and then again in 2017, the CCP declared that all Chinese companies must collaborate in gathering intelligence. Quote, any organization or citizen, reads Article 7 of China's National Intelligence Law, shall support, assist with, and collaborate with the state intelligence work in accordance with the law and keep the secrets of the national intelligence work known to the public. Chinese companies work alongside universities and research arms of the People's Liberation Army. In addition to espionage and cyber theft by the Ministry of State Security, the party tasks some Chinese students and scholars in the U.S., and at other foreign universities and research labs with extracting technology. This is Chinese law. Any, it says, citizen shall support. Any, assist with and collaborate with. Chinese students, academics, and others living in the United States must regularly visit Chinese consulates to be interviewed by consulate officials as part of a, a given strategy, permission to, rem- to have permission to remain in the U.S., they are expected to gather intelligence and report what they have learned during the interviews. The leverage over them is that they all have family still in China. Last week, Secretary Pompeo made an announcement that was largely overlooked with all the election happenings, canceling five Chinese cultural exchange programs under Section 108A of the Mutual Educational and Cultural Exchange Act. <coughs> allow U.S. government employees to travel using foreign government funds. All five programs were funded by money from the CCP. The programs were canceled because the State Department determined that the U.S. government employees traveling to China as part of that program were exposed only to to the CCP and government officials, not the Chinese people, and the only purpose of the exchanges was to promote CCP propaganda to U.S. officials. 
And this article goes on for a while, and I'll post the rest of it. But, I mean, again, what we said yesterday. You look at this, what happened with uh, Swalwell. We see what China's on the move, what they're doing in the South China Sea. We, we hear what, what um, uh, Radcliffe said last week, that they're trying to steal technology on the vaccine after lying about it, about the whole, obviously, um, virus to begin with, releasing it lying about it hoarding the i mean we can go through all the stories of the last eight months but now to be trying to steal the technology on the work we've done on the vaccine yeah and and then couple with couple that with uh what we see a couple months ago nypd uh officer chinese spy arrested go back to january in december of last year where the uh the chinese uh two chinese students along with that professor out of harvard Yep. They were detained trying to leave the country. And you, all of a sudden they reveal a money trail and his, his uh, you know, working relationship that he didn't disclose to anyone uh, with these, with these uh, Chinese nationals and the Wuhan lab and all that stuff. And, and you know, they're, they're peppered everywhere. But, but, you know, on the other side, uh, we do this too, <laughs> right? I mean, Langley's there for a reason. People get trained to do certain things. Look, this honeypot thing, the brownstoning, the, the, these extortion cases, I mean, this is the greatest form of currency in government is yeah. bribery. He finishes, he finishes by saying they're coming for our place in the world. We need to take the welcome mat off the front porch. Put it in the closet for a while. Live from Studio 6B, 30 minutes past the hour on a Wednesday night on Real America's Voice, Dish Network, Channel 219, Pluto TV, Channel 240. Paul's been doing the news. Rick Delgado's here. Rick Amorati will have more sports coming up. Is there any news you haven't gotten to yet, Paul, that you want to do? Um, you know what? There was one story. If you bear with me one moment. All right. Well, let's do some of the president from yesterday while you get that story together because I had some clips I wanted to get to. Uh, while you're doing that, um, let's go with cut 38. Gee, this is some of the president from yesterday. I thought he was excellent on the vaccines. Uh, let's go cut 38 first. Roll it. If authorized, tens of millions of vaccine doses will be available this month, and we'll get it distributed very quickly. We have that all set, and hundreds of millions more will quickly follow. Every American who wants the vaccine will be able to get the vaccine. And uh, we think by spring, we're going to be in a position that uh, nobody would have believed possible. Well, we're in a position that no one should believe was possible because there's no vaccine ever, let alone three of them, that has happened um, in this time frame, ever, ever. Uh, Ten months to be where we are through Operation Warp Speed. And let me just say this, to Pfizer and to... um, the other, I guess, Moderna. I don't know if it was Moderna, Moderna yeah. who couldn't, uh, didn't have the um, guts to show up at the at the White House and didn't have the guts to talk about the effectiveness of this before the election because they're phonies is um, just disgusting, quite frankly, if you ask me. Abhorrent. But uh, yes, <laughs> that word. <laughs> another one it's, su- it's superfluous <laughs> abhorrent yeah <laughs> so uh, a couple more here from the president 39 g list he talks about um 
the de- just what I'm talking about, the development. Before Operation Warp Speed, the typical time frame for development and approval, as you know, uh, could be infinity. And we were very, very happy <laughs> that uh, we were able to get things done at a level that nobody has ever seen before. The gold standard vaccine has been done in less than nine months. On behalf of the entire nation, I want to thank everyone here today. Just, it's just crazy. It gets yeah. no credit. And here's Joe Biden drooling on himself, walking around, trying to figure out what to say, what screen to look at. I'm going to have a plan. Joe Biden hasn't talked about one damn thing. His plan is basically everything Trump's already done. Has anyone else noticed that? <laughs> Every <laughs> single thing he talks about is what we've ar- the president's already done. And the rest of what he says is just mishmash gibberish. Oh, there's no plan. There's no plan. Peter Alexander yesterday. Why didn't you invite anybody from Biden? Why? Why? What are they going to offer? Useless. He has no plan. He's had no plan. From the beginning. We don't need to rehash H1N1, but we know what this would be like if we had gone through this with a Biden administration or even back to an Obama administration. Would have been a disaster. And if we had a media that was even remotely honest in in even the slightest percentage reporting on this, now, of course, now they report on, oh, this has really been pretty uh, successful, you know, this warp speed thing here on CNN, now they tell us. Yeah, they, they make it sound like they just heard of it. I said this yesterday, when... when uh, 25 years down the road or whatever it is when when the history books look back on this this will be what stands out in any story written about it if it's written about honestly from someone is the work that he did to get this to this point in this time frame it is unheard of to get through phase one two three and four like this yeah, but what if this? We don't know how this is going to play out. I mean, a lot of people would say that this could be dangerous. You know, a, a, a vaccine for a for a virus that really has never happened before. It's still going to be an FDA approved vaccine. Well, I know, I mean, but who's the the FDA? I mean, do you trust them anymore? But that's I'm, not the point. The point is, there's a process to get to that. Right. But I'm saying is. We don't, I don't think, I think time will tell on this, especially what if people don't want to take this thing and they start making it a man, like, like a mandate, like, you know, what? You're arguing a different point. No, We've I'm, argued I'm, all along that Trump's not the one in the white lab coat mixing it up and putting it in people. You're, you're arguing I know, a different I, point I, now. I get it, but I mean. And by the way, I'm with you on your point, but that's not the point of the president getting it to this point. Well, what I'm saying is maybe the point should have been. Screw you and your vaccines because we don't need them. The bottom line is eat your vitamin C, eat your vitamin D, take care of yourself, don't eat garbage food, start telling people to take care of themselves, be healthier, and, and you know, don't lick any doorknobs, you know, like, but enough's enough. Like, I mean, this is a, a bat, we're, we're pumping out a drug, we're aiding and abetting what could be the enemy at this point. I mean, I'm sorry, I just think these big farmers are, are untrustworthy. I'm saying maybe the fight should have stopped, went elsewhere. Well, let's remember that the original numbers, with if we just let it go with nothing, was two, three million people dead. So I, I, I don't think there's any president that either. uh, that's going to sit and, and take those chances. I right. just don't buy that either. Well, well uh, yeah, but with the, with the number of dead, that was if we did nothing. Okay, so we did stuff. There's still no vaccine, um, but the number's not even close to that. And I think they knew that going in, but it was about fear. 
You know, look, when did this all debut? It all came out the week after he got cleared for for, for impeachment, right? I mean, it's been a four-year slog of garbage after garbage after garbage. And then when you find out, well, the one one country that we've been having issues with the last four years, China, seems to have been, they're behind this. I mean... It's it's not a coincidence. There's only so many coincidences, right? You know, before you start going, you know what? I think that guy is stalking me. And that's exactly my point. Like, I mean, think about it. We're right, right on it, right? We know it was made in Wuhan. We know that Gates and Fauci have their hands in it. We know all kinds of big pharma companies have their hands in it. We know that this is a great weapon to destroy an economy that's living on a house of cards as it is. So they're going to keep knocking people down. Now they're making us take our tests, uh, our COVID tests with the, uh, what is it, the PCR, the PRC. And the, it's got to go all the way up to the blood-brain ma- membrane barrier of your brain so they can get in it. Any other virus you can get with a saliva swab, but now they got to go all the way with the Q-tip up to the blood-brain membrane, I mean, barrier. I mean, come on. I mean, at what point do we also would be in gaslit up up the wazoo here? I mean, this is insanity. I mean, now we're going to force the vaccine and even talk, celebrate it anyway. You know, I, I just can't celebrate a vaccine that took nine months, let alone nine years. I don't want, I think it, I think, I think the, the, the pharmaceutical companies can't be trusted. And I think the FDA are in their pocket. Right. Well, you know what, also in terms of the vaccine, I hope that, you know, the president does kind of put a little distance between himself and the vaccine and say, look, we gave the uh, the pharmaceutical companies what they needed. It was a, it was a partnership between the government yeah. and, and the private industry. They came together. They made this vaccine. They did it. We gave them the, the opportunity to do it. Yeah, it well, all came together. I'm not going to tell you you have to take it because that's not my job. That should be something that if you feel comfortable doing – and your doctor thinks it's a good option for you, fine. That's a discussion for you privately. But the government's not going to tell you you have to take it. And I think he's got to make a move on this yeah. before these, start, these states start going, you know what, we're going to demand all our state employees, all our teachers, all our everybody get the vaccination. Or we're going to demand you have your kids vaccinated before they can come back to school. I think that's, that's the road we need to avoid. And the last thing I want to make on this is, and there should be, that there should be some kind of federal ruling that no state has the right to force anybody right. to take any kind of you know medicine and there should be complete freedom for people to go where they want to go without a covid pass or a covid test yep. and if they're going to bail at airlines there's no way they should force people to take a vaccine to get on a plane i believe we already have all those documents in place don't we i think not if you not if you listen to alan dershowitz well that's debatable. Um, well, I'm, I'm of the total opposite view on the president and this vaccine. I think he absolutely should be celebrated for what he's done and the work he's done to get us to this point and to save lives of Americans who would probably otherwise die, at least in, in, the, in the scary range of um, people who we know are susceptible to dying if they get this. Um, so that's my feeling on it. Cut 40, G. Uh, the president talking about rising to the occasion here to develop this. Roll that. We're here to discuss a monumental national achievement. From the instant the coronavirus invaded our shores, we raced into action to develop a safe and effective vaccine at breakneck speed. It would normally take five years, six years, seven years, or even more. In order to achieve this goal, we harnessed the full power of government, the genius of American scientists, and the might of American industry to save millions and millions of lives all over the world. We're just days away from authorization from the FDA, and we're pushing them hard. 
at which point we will immediately begin mass distribution. And then uh, finally, one more cut here, G, from this. Uh, Again, exactly what I just talked about, prioritizing uh, who's most at risk. Roll that. The plan we put forward prioritizes the elderly and patients with underlying conditions, as well as healthcare workers and first responders. The uh, ultimate decision rests with the governors of the various states. And I hope the governors make wise decisions who will decide where the vaccines will go in their state and who will get them first. We urge the governors to put America's seniors first. And also, I think those who work with seniors, which obviously you're going to have to do that. I think they have to go together. And uh, doctors, nurses, first responders, etc. cetera. Uh, this uh, will quickly and dramatically reduce deaths and hospitalizations. And within a short period of time, I think uh, we want to get back to normal. The very standard phrase. We want to just get back to normal, get back to where we were a little more than nine months ago. Yeah. So um, on the opposite side of this, the man who, um, if the if none of this works out and the president leaves office and Joe Biden becomes the president, God forbid. Uh, but if he does, um, here's Joe Biden on 37G. Here's Joe Biden's on his plan on the first uh, 100 days. Roll that. I'm going to ask for a masking plan. Everyone for the first 100 days of my administration to wear a mask. It will start with my signing an order on day one to require masks where I can under the law, like federal buildings, interstate travel on planes, trains, and buses. Okay. Ugh. So there, there's the big plan from Joe. Mm. And uh, my question for um, the liberal media is going to be on uh, do all the deaths that happen after January 20th at noon are those then on are those Joe Bi- are those at the feet of Joe Biden I'm just wondering that Since well no 200 because- and something so far I guess have been President Trump's fault does that all change then on the 20th of January that's just a question I, I, I'm I'll keep in the back of my mind yeah they'll they'll just change the parameters of what's considered COVID now all of a sudden you'll see a spike in the flu heart disease will make a rare and come back you'll you can even die from a motorcycle accident it's gonna be crazy yeah With exactly COVID. right yeah they'll just but change think about the rules. I mean, just think about all the false deaths that have been labeled into lobbed into this thing it's just sickening if you break it down let's just take away the murders from Cuomo Whitma uh, you know, all these Democrats who ram these poor old elderly people into, you know, COVID-rich facilities, for God's sakes. Take away all the fake deaths and all the comorbidities. It's just endless. It's just endless lies. You know, it's hard to take. It's hard. To, it's really hard to swallow at this point. All right, 42 past the hour, live from Studio 6B. Um, so that was the president yesterday. I wanted to get to um, Daniel Horowitz's piece, The Constitution is Immune to Coronavirus Power Grabs. I have a quick 30 seconds if you want to give me the story. To- yeah, because I don't have time, so I'm going to save it st- for tomorrow, but go ahead. Or so maybe dozens Friday of states and federal uh, antitrust authorities filed antitrust lawsuits Wednesdays claiming Facebook is illegally squashed comp- competitors, buying up and coming social media platforms to secure its online dominance. And the Attorney General uh, Tish James announced that the lawsuit brought by 48 states in the district uh, um, in a virtual news conference. So they're going to come after the Federal Trade Commission has filed suit uh separate wednesday in a federal court so let's uh, let's hope they bust these animals up i don't think see it happening but let's hope well i have no idea what the process here on an antitrust case would be it seems to me that it probably would take years if it got any traction and i have no idea how that would work but um 
it's at least some action against this big tech, which is just out of control. All right, 47 past the hour, live from Studio 6B on Real America's Voice on a Wednesday night. Dish Network Channel 219, Pluto TV Channel 240. Lots of good responses coming in from Mike Lindell's interview. People love Mike Lindell. And what's not to like about Mike Lindell? Uh, he is all in for the president, and uh, he was fantastic, and I appreciate him coming on the show for the second time he's been on. Um, you know, we don't do guests every night because we, we talk to kind of who we want to talk to. And... Um, you know, it's rare we bring even somebody back. Obviously, John Solomon's on all the time because we love John Solomon. But uh, Mike Lindell now for the second time was on, and he was great. And the audience obviously loved him. I mean, I'm just getting hundreds here. Well, that's because John Solomon's a colleague of ours. Right. Yes, just the news. Um, all right, 13 to the hour. Let's do some sports here with uh, Rick Amorati. What's going on, pal? Okay, Big D. Well, a couple of basketball scores right now. Good game. Florida State 67-65 over Indiana with about a minute to go in overtime. So looking at that game. Uh, and uh, final earlier, uh, Texas Tech over ACU 51-44. And with about five minutes to go, Texas is leading Texas State 56-41. Um, and uh, former Alabama football coach Ray Perkins has passed away. Uh, former Alabama football coach uh, had, had passed away earlier today. Um, he had replaced uh, Paul Bear Bryant uh, back, uh, back in the uh, early 80s when Bryant had retired. Uh, Perkins grew up in Mississippi and played at Alabama. He was an All-American wide receiver and part of Bryant's 1964 and 65 championship team. Um, he also coached the New York Giants from 1979 to 1982 and uh, Bill Parcells had a really nice quote he said uh, he was very saddened by the news he's the only reason I was in pro football he's the one who brought me into the league he was my friend uh, and uh, Perkins had hired Bill Parcells uh, as his line coach uh, back when he was the head coach of the New York Giants so uh, I know our Roll Tide Bama fans are going to uh, certainly miss uh, uh, Ray Perkins who was definitely an instrumental part of that team and uh, Major League Baseball umpire Brian Onora reportedly arrested in a sexting operation. Uh, according to USA Today, the operation targeted people who were attempting to buy sex through the Internet after making arrangements. The men were nabbed after they arrived at a local hotel in Youngstown in eastern Ohio. Uh, John Stings deter those seeking to purchase sex, re reducing the demand for human trafficking, and serve as a reminder that these crimes are more prevalent and closer to home than you think, the Attorney General Yost said. Uh, Onora became an umpire in 1999 and has worked many notable playoff series, including the 2008 American League Championship and also the 2019 All-Star Game, which was um, held in Cleveland. Doesn't it seem like there's a lot of these sex ring stories through Ohio? Yeah. It just seems like so much is like that's like a hub. You know, I, I don't know, man. It's, it just seems like so much of this horror is coming through that area. I don't I don't know. And I was going to do the story last night. Thanks for doing it, Rick, because I got yelled at on Monday for doing, you know, the uh, I got exactly. scolded. Dude, I you got... started right off <laughs> and, with one. Thank you. Thank you. Got to save the children. 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 Um, I mean, maybe and, we could do like a, uh, you know, something nice story, then set it up and then say, yeah. well, you know, we got some other news here. It's not as great as Oh, you mean like that. a right. couple Boy Scouts set it up. helping a little old lady and then she... Yeah, and then set up And the, then they the got the grabbed story. by some creep and dragged into an alley? Well, no. Like started that's, out nice? 
No, that's not good. Okay. All right, what else in sports, Rick? All right, big get a little excitement going here in your voice. Two more quick stories. Uh, NASCAR is going to hold the go. first three races of the 2021 season in Florida. NASCAR has already started adjusting the 2021 20, calendar. The first three races of the season, which began February 14th with the Daytona 500, all will be held in Florida. NASCAR shifted the February race schedule for Fontana, California, to the road course at Daytona International Speedway. It swapped the Fontana date to make it the second race of the season and follow the Daytona the Tona 500 at the same track. Um, and the NHL union clears hurdle eyeing January 13th for start of the 2021 NHL season. The, uh, the sides are now aiming for the January 13th start date with either a 52 or 56 game schedule. Sources confirmed to ESPN. They're going to be breaking up divisions. There'll be uh, eight teams in each division. Uh, on the East Coast, it'll be the Islanders, Buffalo, the Rangers, Flyers, and uh, there'll also be an all-Canadian uh uh, conference as well. So they're going to keep an eye on that. There'll be some new COVID protocols, but NHL hockey, January 13th, big D. That's a wrap in sports for tonight. Okay, Paul, what do you think about the NHL hockey story? You're a big uh, NHL hockey season ticket holder. What do you think of that? Uh, you know, I'll take what I can get. I'm ready to watch more hockey. You okay. know, I mean, I'll take what I can get and, you know, as long as there's a vaccine for all the healthy <laughs> world-class athletes, we can inject them you know, with some kind of... Uh, well, they don't need it. Right, they don't. They don't. Their grandparents need it, but not them. They're fine. Yeah. I just hope it doesn't hurt the elderly. we got to save the oh, elderly, absolutely. Too. I mean, that's what we talked about. We don't have five or ten years you know of what? safety. There was, a sto- there was a story that really irked me. There was um, You're kidding. A, pa- a pastor. It irked you? <laughs> it <laughs> irked. There's a story that could irk you? Get <laughs> under your skin, make you feel bad, be negative? What? It, it grinds my gears. Huh. What story do- is this? This is my, my segment is, you know what grinds my gears? Uh, there was a, a black pastor in a... a an urban neighborhood demanding and screaming that that the, his neighborhood should get the vaccine first. And all I kept thinking was Tuskegee Airmen. All I kept thinking was, you know, the the, the sickle cells that were pumped into inner cities in the, in the 30s and 40s. Like, no, what are you asking for, you nut job? Leave, your, leave them alone. I mean, get, let it happen in England first. <laughs> Stay out of here. Go do it in Russia. But I don't know. It's just I don't I don't get it. I think he's running for Senate in Georgia, that pastor. (laughs) (laughs) By the way. Is that true? He has talked about it, yeah. That obviously that um, science – I swear I saw this on NBC. Joy Reid was talking about the vaccine she had a guest on who said that science – I can't think of the – I can't think of the terminology she used. Science has – is – she used some term that just would make you, it just make you drive off the road. Uh, it, it, it white, uh, it, white is uh, science is white supremacy for. I saw it. Oh. You know what I'm saying? Did you see it? Yeah, supremacy I, for white people or something? <laughs> and that the African American communities have never been, um, have been proportionally left out of. You know what? If I almost wish, like you know, think I'll about get the it. clip because it's just—it's just—it's it was stunning. Think about how lucky you are in a way if you're a black person, because like at least the politicians ignore you. I'd love to be ignored from the politicians. Just leave me alone. I don't know. I've had it. I'm—I'm I'm worn out. I need to go to bed. It's a long day for all of us. <laughs> um. So I was going to do this last to get away from the election. I was going to get into this national debt uh, issue because. Since no one in Congress really wants to talk about it as we continue to print money, print money, print money, print money, 30 trillion in debt, 100 trillion in unfunded liabilities, whatever the real numbers are. 
Um, it's just not even, it's not even on anyone's radar anymore. We haven't ha- had a balanced budget since I think Newt Gingrich was the speaker, maybe. And, um, you know, you're seeing the rise of all these digital currencies and Paul's talked about it forever. But, you know, this country, for those of us who have kids and we want our kids to have kids, to grow up in this country past all of this other stuff that we're talking about, <laughs> whether we have elections that we can rely on, all of that. Uh, if the country collapses under its own weight of its own debt, um, I mean, it, it's, just a, it's just a it's a stunning reality that nobody is addressing. Well, the, the BIS talking about the BIS and the IMF released a statement yesterday saying that they, they're heading into the insolvency stage of the Great Reset. And if those Western banks drop, it's just a matter of time before the domino effect nails us. I mean, it's it, it'll be a house of cards. You know, it, that's the thing. I mean, it's it's scary. What's going on? That's what I believe. We're in a currency war. That's what I believe. This great reset was so needed, and they're forcing it in there to collapse this economy. I really believe it's it's the end of a currency war. It's all coming to a head. Does mm-hmm. debt even matter in the United States anymore? Is the question? Yeah, it does. It does, but I don't think I don't think anybody in Washington really cares. So I'll spend some time on that tomorrow. As always, we salute our military, active and active police, firefighters, first responders, everybody on the front lines. Thank you for keeping us safe. Thanks, everybody on the show. Thank G. Thanks, Fran. Thanks, Real America's Voice. Most of all, thank you, the live from Studio 6B audience. We will see you tomorrow night on a Thursday night on Real America's Voice, 8 p.m. We'll see you then.